Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to this fantastic place where I talk about a bunch of different topics in my life. Things with my kids, my family, parenting struggles, parenting tips, as well as a lot of guy stuff, health and wellness things, and a lot of other cool things too. So I hope some of that relates with you, hope some of that interests you. But anyways, thank you for joining me today. So I mentioned quite a while ago about volunteering and being part of your community and all that stuff, right? Well, I finally did that. I finally kind of dove into that uh, volunteer aspect. I went to my kid's school. I applied to be the quote-unquote safe volunteer, whatever they call it. Got my background check all done so the school knows that I'm not some predator or a menace to society or anything like that. Got all that out of the way right around Valentine's Day. So I tell myself, okay, I'm going to sign up for my youngest daughter Kennedy's school party, a Valentine's Day party. They sent out a newsletter looking for help, so I figured, hey, why not? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to surprise my kid, roll into her class, add a little masculinity in there with all the, the volunteering moms, you know what I mean? Put myself out there, really kind of get out of my comfort zone. Kind of sounds like a win-win, right? Help my community, help my daughter, surprise her. So anyways, I get all signed up. I get there. Pretty easy. The teacher and the classroom mom had everything kind of ready to go. The kids were finishing up their snacks. Then we helped them pass out their little Valentine's Day cards to their classmates. And then we moved on to some games. And that's where it kind of got a little interesting. The kids were playing relay games. The teacher had relay games set up. Simple stuff. You line up in a group. You go from one side of the room to the other with one of them. You had a spoon and you had little candy hearts on there. And you had to not drop the hearts and then go down and back, pass it to the next student and so on and go through that. Simple stuff. Now I had a group of kids relaying in front of me. And then another volunteer had a group in front of her running back. So there's like two teams. So all the kids are lined up in big groups, and they're going back and forth, doing their relay thing, hooting and hollering and cheering and screaming, all that stuff. Well, some of the boys in the back, kind of in the back of the group, they were getting kind of antsy. They were jumping around, standing on stools and shelving and kind of just, you know, being typical kids. Just imagine 24 or so, four- and five-year-old kids, holiday party, getting kind of crazy, fun times, amped up, right? But also trying to or expected to patiently wait their turn, right? It's kind of like herding cats. It gets a little gets a little crazy. Well, I'm watching all the kids screaming and cheering. It's pretty loud in there. But I notice the cheering get a little louder. I notice the screaming kind of went up a few octaves. And I didn't really think anything of it until I scan the group of kids and I see one kid One little boy, standing up proud and tall, screaming his head off with blood pouring down his face from this big one-inch gash above his eyebrow. He was just wailing away and bleeding everywhere. It was coming down his face. It was going into his eyes, dripping on the floor. It It was a lot of blood. It was concerning. I saw it about the same time as the other adults in the room, and I paused for a second because I'm, this is my first time volunteering. I'm like, shit, like, what do I, do I jump in and, and do something? So I hesitate for a minute. I don't know the protocols. 
The teacher, of course, she gets there immediately, runs over to him, hustles him over to the little sink area. There's a, a sink spot and like a hard floor where kids can wash their hands and, and get their waters kind of off to the side. So she hustles him over there, gets gloves on and everything, starts tending to this kid. Now the other volunteers, the other two volunteers in the classroom, they also rush over there and are helping this kid that's bleeding all over the place and wiping the floor, wiping the blood up, all that stuff. Calling the nurse, just trying to take care of him, get him calmed down, get him, you know, the help he needs. I see that, I turn to my right and I look at that and I'm like, okay, and I turn back to the students. All the other students were just staring at this kid Kind of silent, kind of quiet, but also just kind of taking it in. Like, oh my God, what's going on? At this point, I'm the only adult that has, not say control, but have all the kids in front of me. So I'm like, oh God, what do I do? Well, I decide to try to distract the kids from the chaos, from the bloody kid over there. I tell them that the little boy will be okay. He's going to go to the nurse. He's going to get all checked out. He just hit his head, he'll be fine. So just look at me, eyes up on me, I told them, stop looking at the chaos. I was like, eyes up on me, let's keep going with the games, let's try to get our minds off of the bloody kid and the the trauma over there. I was just really trying to get them focused on me and focused on the game so they wouldn't just sit there and hyper-focus on that and freak themselves out and be traumatized and all that. So. The kids started playing the game again and kind of getting back into their, you know, fun time routine. The kid got rushed off to the nurse to be picked up by his parents. So great, right? Awesome. I had that experience my first time volunteering. And there were a couple of kids that were definitely shook up by what happened. It was the ones that were right around him when all the action was going down. They witnessed him fall and witnessed all the blood and This one girl, I felt real bad for her. She was just asking for her mom. She was crying. She was worried about this hurt boy, her friend. Yeah, she was freaked out. And by the way, I guess the kid was jumping on something and he tripped and he fell, cracked his head on an old style wooden rocking chair. They have a rocking chair they read stories in and he cracked his head on that, I think on one of the skids. So pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly crack on his head. He got a few stitches, but he was up and up and all good a couple days later. So talk about a stressful experience. I mean, it was stressful for me, stressful for those kids. Granted, it was out of my control. Things just kind of happen. Kids all do these things and accidents happen. We just kind of have to roll with the punches and deal with it. So along with this story, as well as last week's podcast about patience, And being a big driver of keeping your cool and keeping your patience is minimizing stress and anxiety, right? So that's what I want to talk about today. Five ways to reduce stress and anxiety, let's say. Now, I added anxiety in there because although different than stress, they're both kind of similar. Stress being a psychological or behavioral response to an immediate threat or challenge, job stress or traffic stress or you know, even kid stress, it usually ends when the stressful situation ends, right? Anxiety is an emotional feeling, psychological state, anticipating the possibility of something going wrong, okay? It's this ongoing dread that can be continuous regardless of what is going on. 
that intense worry without really any danger, any trigger, nothing causing it. And now I'll be honest, I was never really one to admit or even believe in anxiety. I know that's probably very narrow-minded, but I always chalked it up to, oh, people are just nervous. It's just typical stress and people label everything tough in their lives as anxiety. And I thought they were just kind of ridiculous and over-exaggerating, labeling a situation like that and making it more than it was. That was until I had an experience with anxiety. Uh, my former neighbor for uh, months on end caused me great anxiety. This old lady, I don't know if I've mentioned her before. Either way, this old woman, probably 70, she lived alone. She was living in the house right next door when we moved into this house here in Indiana. And the moment that we moved in, I knew there was going to be a problem. She was somewhat nice, but the way she spoke to me and the things that she brought up immediately on meeting me, things about property lines and other things, that was a red flag. I knew there was going to be issues at some point. The new neighbor phase had definitely faded away. And before I knew it, she was turning me into HOA. She was calling the police on my dog. She was calling the police on my truck parked in the street. She was being very negative and unkind to all of us in my whole house. She just hated me and she hated my dogs. And she yelled at me and other family members on occasion. She had cameras pointed at my house and in my yard. Just really nutty stuff. Anyways, the point of this story is the thought of seeing this woman or having to be outside with her at the same time, it just brought on all this stress and anxiety in me. It brought on the thought of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I'm outside the same time she is? What's going to happen if I step outside and she's outside? And those occasions did happen. And of course, altercations did ensue. And it's kind of weird for me to label something that's happened in my life as anxiety because I typically wouldn't do that. I just thought I was nervous or scared of somebody or something, you know. So that was my realization about my own anxiety. That woman, she freaked me out, brought it out in me. It would just make my heart pound. I'd be like, oh my gosh, we wouldn't even have to talk to each other. It would just, my heart would pound and I would just be anticipating this big blow up or this confrontation. And it would make me feel like, oh, I get all hot and sweaty and, and my heart would race. And it was very, it was very weird. And I've just now, you know, in the moment, I guess I probably realized that, hey, this is anxiety. So just kind of interesting story there. So anyways, if you're a longtime listener, then you know I've already done another episode. It was actually episode 59 where I talked about stress and how we can reduce it and manage it. If you haven't heard it and you want to go check it out, it's, gosh, 50 episodes ago. So it might not be that good. So travel at your own risk, but check it out if you want to. So today I still want to brush up on stress a bit. Also talk about that anxiety a bit more just so I'm not totally repeating myself every 12 months. That would be good. Don't want to do that. Now, a lot of what I've been reading says that if we really practice patience, like I talked about last week, it'll really help in reducing stress and anxiety. So let's make sure we're doing that first. But I myself, maybe men in general, at least in my opinion, I don't think they deal with stress or feelings for that matter in very healthy ways. It's easy for us to 
deny things, shove things down, and just ignore them rather than open up and find healthy ways to deal with stress and anxiety. I think a lot of guys do that. They just bury it, right? I mean, we don't typically talk about how overwhelmed we are. We don't talk about how we need a break or how we're super stressed out. And while I guess talking right now, I don't really know of any women that talk like that either. So, you know, men and women doesn't really matter. Maybe we just don't really convey or deal with stress and anxiety and feelings that well, any of us. Now, five things we can do to kind of reduce stress and anxiety. And I'm pulling from a few different articles that I read through, and I'll link them all in the description so you can read them. And also, so I'm not ripping off anyone else's hard work, so I don't want to do that. All right, let's get started here. Number one, aside from just admitting that you're stressed and you have anxiety, which could be hard for some people to admit, they say to identify your hangup. What is that thing or many things that got you to that level of anxiety or stress? So ask yourself, before you got there, what went through your mind? We need to kind of get to the root of, what's that word? I got to use that word. The triggering. What was that triggering thing, right? That got us to where we were stressed out or anxiety came on. Author Daniel Smith, this guy in this article, says the more often we can identify what triggers that feeling of stress and anxiety and learn to put it into perspective, the better we will get at dealing with those feelings and they will actually lessen over time, just knowing what they are. I know I'm not crazy into journaling or writing stuff down, but they also say that we can name our negative emotions and then write down our feelings about them. And I know it sounds super corny. I myself don't really enjoy talking about this stuff or even writing it down for that matter. It would feel odd to me. But they say simply just writing it down and describing what you're feeling may actually help you accept them instead of judge them, which can help you get closer to a calmer state of mind. That's what we want, a calmer state of mind. Stress and anxiety is often a result of fear of an event or fear of the future. In my case, it was my batshit crazy former neighbor. And not knowing if she was going to engage me or freak out on me or cuss in front of my kids when I would be outside my home, it, uh, that was my trigger moment. So that's definitely labeled now. She's passed away by now, so she is long gone. She doesn't live next to me. She did apologize about a week before she passed away, so I am thankful for that, so I don't want to totally shit on her, but yeah, she made my life a living hell for quite a few months. All right, number two, move your body, exercise, going for a walk, just getting some sort of movement is one of the natural ways we can reduce stress, anxiety, and even depression, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. It's not just physical fitness. It actually works your mental fitness as well. Daniel says you can break the pattern of circular thoughts by exercising regularly to remove yourself from that place of worry and release endorphins. Scientists say that when we work out, it may improve mental health by training our brain to cope with stress and people who exercise regularly are actually 25% less likely to develop an anxiety disorder. That's also according to the ADAA, so pretty interesting stuff there. Granted, the effects we see in this reduction are temporary, so when you work out, 
they're reduced. I imagine they're reduced for a time after working out, but eventually they will come back. So that's something to kind of think about. This isn't going to just abolish all your stress immediately just because you went to the gym and worked out or you went for a run on a treadmill. But I think it's a great habit to get into. And if you keep doing it more and more, I think it's just going to compound and keep helping you. Or at least it's something you can look forward to to temporarily reduce that stress. And we can probably add it to some of these other things I'm going to talk about to really lessen it over your whole day or your whole life. All right, number three, sleep. Piles of stress and worry and anxiety that can all easily keep us up at night, right? Thinking about events or situations, things that happen in your day and your life, jobs or bills, and sometimes it can actually get bad enough that it turns into a sleep disorder because your mind is just racing about all these things and then you can't sleep and now you're in a pickle, right? And there's even some thought that people can start having issues sleeping And the issue sleeping is what triggers the anxiety and the stress because now you're stressing out because you're not sleeping. So it's kind of a a catch-22 thing. Is that right? Catch-22? And then our lack of quality sleep is spilling into our days and into our routines. And then it's just compounding that stress throughout the day. That's what I typically notice. Sleep like shit. Then I'm guaranteed to be stressed out the following day on top of kind of being a dick because I'm tired and grumpy. So does that sound like anybody else? Does that sound like you? It's me, definitely. We all know how important sleep is, yet most of us probably continue to ignore it, forge ahead, stay up late, work on projects, work on our computers, stay in our phones, look at our phones in bed like I have been doing lately. Terrible habit, but that's what I've been going through. So we really need to prioritize our sleep. Have a consistent sleep plan. Don't eat right before bed. Cut out alcohol and caffeine, of course, duh, before we go to sleep as well. And I know I'm going to say it and probably ignore the advice myself, but also put down the social media, maybe even cut the TV before you go to sleep for at least a time being. You know, maybe don't watch a screen for a half hour before bed, read a book, whatever, I don't know. I know it's freaking impossible. I mean, we're humans, and it's like these sleep experts think we're living in, you know, 1780, no TV, walk around by candlelight because you don't want to stare at any light bulbs or anything. It's just, that's not real life, okay? I know it's probably impossible to do, and I probably won't even do it either, but they say for perfect sleep, that's what you should do. But just try a few little improvements like this to improve your sleep. Also, make your damn bed. Get into a nice made bed. I guarantee it'll improve your sleep. That's a stay-at-home dad's guaranteed right there. A made bed is a happy bed, okay? All right, number four, pay attention to what you consume. Yes, I'm going to start by throwing out the caffeine and alcohol because adding those on top of stress and anxiety isn't typically a good combo. Drowning your sorrows in alcohol don't rid you of your sorrows or your stress in today's case. It just kind of numbs them and makes them temporarily go away. And eventually they come back. And then all of a sudden you're drinking again to numb yourself from your anxiety and your stress. And then before you know it, you're in this vicious, terrible cycle and you have a problem with alcohol. So don't do that. But we can actually eat some foods that will kind of help with this stuff. According to UNR, their uh, website, University of Reno, 
Consuming omega-3 fatty acids like those found in salmon and tuna have been shown to reduce symptoms of the depression and also may support your body in reducing anxiety. They also boost cognitive function. So that's actually pretty cool. Also protein, especially when consumed in the morning, can help make serotonin, a hormone that calms your mood and increases your feelings of happiness and well-being. It can also help to lower anxiety. So right along with your morning workout, if you get into that routine, kind of like Kevin Torres talked about a few weeks ago, get your morning workout in, get your exercise done, change your mindset in that aspect, then go eat a nice protein-rich breakfast and start your day after your amazing sleep because you're not on your phone. See, this all kind of compounds and works together, right? Dietitian Courtney Barth says the Mediterranean diet too is also a really great way to eat when you're stressed. Fewer processed foods, more whole foods, fish, poultry, fruit, and vegetables. It's all a really good start. They eat nuts and legumes and things like that. And isn't that what everyone should be eating anyways? Fewer processed foods and more poultry, fish, fruit, and veggies. I mean, I thought a lot of people ate that way. Maybe not, but that's what she says. It's a good way to eat. She really talks about lowering cortisol too, which is good as a protective mechanism, but too much of it creates stress in your body leading to more inflammation. So we gotta watch our cortisol. She also says eat foods rich in vitamin B12 as well, which helps the metabolism of cortisol. Organ meats, beef, chicken, eggs, stuff like that, high in B12. Also a magnesium rich food as well. They play a big role a big part in reducing inflammation and relaxing the body and the mind. Avocados, bananas, broccoli, dark chocolate. She mentions protein-rich foods too, like I've already talked about from UNR. Meats, lentils, peanuts, all that stuff. And then lastly, she talks about gut health foods, which that's like your yogurts and your kombuchas, I guess. I'm not really into kombucha, but those things with those microorganisms that are good for your gut are good for your body. Good gut means good immunity, okay? All right, number five, therapy and meditation. I talked about this a little bit last week. Meditation is a great start in calming your mind and reducing your stress. And therapy is also a great route to take. We don't need to wait to be at our wits end with our emotions and our stress and all that stuff or feel like we can't take anymore in order to go see a therapist. You can go see a therapist anytime you want. I mean, I think most of them are covered by insurance, or at least a few of them. You can even do a telehealth, so you don't even have to leave your house, just hop on a Zoom call. So there's no reason to avoid going to therapy. That's what I'm really saying. If you're feeling a little bit out of sorts in any way, or you're feeling a little too stressed, go talk to somebody. Go sit down and get it off your chest, get it off your mind, and they can probably help you in figure out ways to deal with it. I think a lot of people avoid therapy because they think it's embarrassing or they think there's some stigma around it. Well, there isn't. It's normal. It's okay. And I bet if you knew, a lot of people around you probably already do it. They just don't talk about it. Okay, so definitely look at it as an option if you need to. All right, bonus number six, have a sense of humor. Lighten the fuck up and really just try to, I don't want to say don't worry so much or don't worry about everything, but don't worry about everything if you can. At least that's what I try to tell myself. You really got to kind of center yourself and try not to be too serious because I am way too serious way too often. 
A lot of those situations that stress us out, that stress me out and cause anxiety, they're usually just a big giant nothing burger of worrying for nothing, right? Thinking about things that are going to happen that haven't even happened yet. So we're losing sleep and we're stressing out about things that A, are probably completely out of our control and B, haven't even happened. We're just anticipating the worst case scenario, which I tend to do, and it's all for nothing. And now I look back on some of these moments that I thought were huge and significant, and a lot of the time they weren't really that important, or I was losing sleep over silly stuff, or worrying about something that didn't even happen. So it's just uh, something to think about. I mean, think about the last time that you were stressed out a month ago. Was it that big, huge deal? Probably not. Sure, some are. Some are big deals. You might feel like you're going to lose your job, or you, maybe you did lose your job, but a lot of times they aren't as bad as we think they are. Does that make sense? Am I being too soft? I don't know. Anyways, Daniel Smith says anxiety needs to be treated with a little bit of humor as it helps to kind of declaw that experience and reveal the disorder's pettiness and arbitrary nature, like I said. Also, thinking about stress and anxiety, maybe we need to really look at some of those situations that stress us out or cause those moments and weed some of them out. Get them the hell out of there. Even with people, people that can continually cause stress in your life and cause you anxiety, maybe it's time, if you can, to, to uh, cut them out and back away from that relationship. Just saying. Also, Daniel wrote a book. It's called, I don't remember, but I'll link it in the description. Check it out. It talks about his personal struggles with stress and anxiety. And I guess it's not a ton of how to deal stuff. It's more, this is my story and this is my experience. But I think written that way, it still offers a lot of things that we can take away from it if we read it. So check it out. I'll link it in the description. All right, that's about all I have for today's episode of Stay at Home Dads podcast. Maybe I'll do a little series, uh, do a few episodes like this, talk about different wellness topics. I've already talked about patience, already talked about stress and anxiety today. Maybe we'll get into a few more wellness topics and... Uh, just talk about some other things to make us all better humans, make me a better human. So anyways, thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you being here. Any questions or comments or you want to bitch at me for anything, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Also, check out my new Instagram page. It's called at stayathomedads underscore podcast. Follow me over there. Send me a message over there, whatever. Let me know your thoughts. All right. That's all I got. So I'll talk to you all next week.